0: Welcome to the Affiliate Interview Series by Stats Drone. Today we're chatting with Ollie Bays from olliebaysdigital.com. Today we're going to talk about hero Links and everything that has to do with it. So let's get to it. So, welcome to the Affiliate Interview Series. I got a special guest with me, a guy I've known for a long time who's helped me out in the past with some links. And his name is uh, Oliver Bayes or Ollie. Um, So maybe I'll just hand it over to you, Ollie, and explain what you do. And today we're going to be talking about Harrow, and let's get let's get into it.
1: Hey, yeah. So as John said, my name's Ollie. I've been a link builder more on the sort of digital PR side of things for the last four years. Um, Harrow is yeah one of the techniques that I've been using since 2018. It's becoming really well known and has been sort of shot up in popularity in the last 18 months to two years, but it's been around for like longer than I've been in SEO. So I, I, people seem to think it's a new thing, but it's not, but yeah, I've been doing it for the last five years. So yeah, uh, here, here, here to talk about that.
0: And just a quick footnote, uh, Harrow stands for help a reporter out. Um, so everyone calls it Harrow and all capitalized and it was created by Peter Shankman. So Peter is uh guess you could say he's like an old school journalist i mean he got he he got started back in the aol days and uh he just kind of found this need of trying to connect you know the media with people that had stories or experts to share so he created this system and just to kind of explain how it works is you'll get all these emails that come into your inbox and you can basically pick which categories you want that you're the expert in and you'll get someone that could be for anything like new york times saying hey i need to help with something about SEO, digital marketing, or responsible gaming, or whatever topic that is. So your job is to basically, I guess you can get, what, three of these uh, groups of emails per day?
1: Yeah, so you get three of these emails a day, but each email contains between 75 and like 200 requests. So um, depending on the industry that you're in, uh, you can get maybe between, I don't know, between between zero and like five relevant requests a day. Um, But a lot of the requests um, are requests like, the the request will be, I am looking for a business owner to talk about how to do your own accounting, for example. Anyone who owns a business can answer this this, uh, response. And I call these um, generalist response arrows. And when you see a response, when you see a request like this, Um, They're often looking to build, um, you know, those big roundup posts. So it's like 50 affiliate marketing experts talk about their favorite affiliate marketing tools. So they're looking for 50 sources or 100 sources or whatever. So so long as you can give like a six, seven out of 10 answer and you're in there quickly, you're going to get included. And big, big websites run these things. So like Forbes often run them. Um, big industry specific like software sites run them and stuff like that. So because they are um, uh, be- because they they're trying to create these big roundup posts, you need to answer the question as if you're a contributor of this big roundup post. So if you read one of these big roundup posts, every single respondent has the same format. They've got a little headline and then they've got you know a three sentence explaining of the thing where you explain the thing you explain why the thing is good, and then you give an example of the thing in action, right? If you can answer your request like that, headline, explain the thing, give a benefit of the thing, and give uh, an example or like a practical implication of the thing, you're gonna get included. The journalist, they're busy, they've, you know, this is one of three or four articles they're writing in a day. They need to be able to copy and paste your answer, your, your response into their into their article. If they can't copy and paste the response into the article, they're going to just go with another response because even though they even though they want fifty sources, they're probably going to get five hundred responses, right? So you need to be the top ten percent, and you most importantly, you need to make it as easy as possible for them to copy and paste it into the um, into the article. Now, the big mistake that people make with these generalist type questions is that they will try. So say I don't know. I'm looking for a business owner to talk about hiring, right? What they want is they want one business owner to make one point about hiring and to, uh, and to um, explain it really thoroughly. Now, a mistake that a lot of people make is they will try and say three points about hiring and sort of wing each of them. Um, and th- I think the thinking behind it is, oh, well, if the first idea is a bit, a bit lame, then at least I've got the second one. But that's not how you do it. You say, you, you choose a specific angle or specific point and you try and do that as best as possible rather than try and do three or four badly. So that's how you answer the generous ones. The second type of Harry that you get, uh, I call them specialist responses, right? And the way that you could tell these from the generous ones, they, they won't be labeled as like specialist or generalist. Um, they're labeled according to niche, but to be honest, the journalists, don't label them very well so you just need to look through the whole email and and um and just pick the ones that are relevant to you um you get software that tries and automates this but i don't think any of them make a very good job of it personally but yeah uh, so anyway back to the specialist ones these are the ones where the journalist will ask you usually between three and six questions sometimes it's like 10 questions but it's usually between three and six questions and rather than saying i'm looking for a business owner they're like I am looking for a dentist to talk about cavities and teeth. So obviously you need to be a relevant person, but whereas the conversion rate, if you're good, the conversion rate for these generous responses will be 20%. Hmm. With these specialist responses, if you're good, the conversion rate will be above 50%. So when you see something like this, that's relevant to you. I think of it as like in soccer, when you're teed up for a tap in, like you've got to answer it. Like it's a, it's a link that's just fallen into your lap and you just got to grab it right so uh the journalists they'll ask you three to six questions they have chosen these they've put time into choosing these questions they have chosen the questions for a reason you need to the important thing is answer the question don't give it's not like the generous response where you've got a sort of think of an angle and then say the angle. They just want you to answer the question. The journalist probably knows the answer to the question, but they just want like a legitimate source, right? So write each question out, bold and italicize it so the journalist can see you are answering the question and then answer the question, but answer all the questions. A lot of people, I think just cause they're lazy, they're like, uh, 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 they'll, they'll, you know, they'll answer the first question the journalist asks only but then the journalist has to go through like 10 more emails to try and get all these answers. But if you answer all the questions, even if you're not like necessarily the best position to answer all the questions, just answer all the questions. Because if a journalist asks five questions and you give five separate answers, you have five chances for inclusion. If a journalist asks five separate questions and you give one answer, you have a one out of five chance for inclusion. The journalist again has written out all these questions for a reason. They want to cover all these points in their article. So the more those points that you answer, again, each one doubles your chance of inclusion. So yeah, again, two types of requests. Generalist, specialist. Generalist, one point, make it well. Specialist, answer every single question. And if you need to make 10 points to answer every question, then you make 10 points. Some harrows I've spent like an hour and a half just researching and finding what right answer, but hey, I've got like a super relevant DR91 backlink out of it and I was the only guy link to in the article it's like you can't get a better link than that so you know it's it's worth it's worth the time doing
0: yeah i guess like the thing that you know i know i personally failed at in trying to do hero myself uh, probably about one or two years ago is it people need to think about getting in the mindset of going put yourself in the journalist's mm-hmm. position and it's a lot of what you just said previously about having like setting them up it's the tap-in it's uh, i think a lot of people when they start harold like oh this is great i'm gonna build links and i get some links on Forbes and all that stuff and they get started. I think they try it for a week and then they give up. Uh, so what are other tips that you can go? Like, I'm sure there's lots of things that you can do, like uh, maybe as one example, like how do you demonstrate that you are that expert? Like, aside from answering the question, like, can you do a bit more than just saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, answer the question. Like, what can you do to look more professional and really resonate with that journalist?
1: Well, in an ideal world, and especially if you're answering these specialist um, requests, it should be self explanatory uh, that you're an e- expert. So, again, I go back to the dentist example. Like they're like, I'm looking for a dentist, and the first line in your email is, I'm Dr. Ollie Bays, a dental practitioner at this mm-hmm. dental practice. And then you link to your dental practice. I mean, you can't really refute that, can you? But I understand, like, with the more generalist ones, um, yeah. So, uh, if it's not immediately obvious just by virtue of who you are, then the first line after you introduce yourself is a sentence that contextualizes why you're an expert. So um, I remember I did I did one. It was like, I'm looking for uh, someone to talk about how to foster an entrepreneurial spirit in children. Right. So uh, my first two lines of that response were, hi, name. My name is Ollie, uh, and I am... Uh, I run a digital PR agency uh, and then I gave the name of it and uh, I'm also a parent of a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old right so that you're an entrepreneur and you're a parent Uh, actually this is this is one of the examples I give in my course and if it's unclear you just need to again ask yourself like who is an expert in this and it might seem that like that like, you know, a psychologist, a child psychologist or a dev, dev, developmental psychologist might be an expert in it. But really, if I wanted that, an answer to that question, I would want an entrepreneur and a parent, right? So okay. yeah, you just need to, the first line in these generalist ones should be contextualizing the, uh, why you're an expert. So yeah, it's, hello name, one sentence introduce yourself, one sentence, two sentences max, sort of, If it's not obvious already saying you're an expert the thing is if you're obviously an expert and then you say you're an expert that kind of detracts from the obviousness of you being an expert if that makes sense like a a true expert doesn't need to say they're an expert but you know if 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 it's ambiguous whether you're an expert or not just yeah just give one sentence contextualizing why an expert and then again the next line should be the headline of your point or Uh, their exact question, and then you go into the answers. Don't waste time chatting... Don't say anything that can't be copied and pasted into the article or doesn't realistically have a chance of being copied and pasted in the article. If you're not sure, that's a really really good test. Um, So yeah, but like, uh, especially with these generalist type answers, a line contextualizing why you're the guy for the the quote is not a bad idea. But yeah, again, if you can just infer it, that's always better. I think, I think when it comes to any type of writing, if you can infer stuff rather than explicitly say stuff, it's better, and this is no different.
0: So a quick question. It's like, let's assume you land a really big article. Let's say it's like Forbes or GoDaddy, or New York Times. Do you use that as one more, um, what's the word? Kind of social proof to say, hey, I am that expert. I was featured here, here, and here. Like, did you use that in some of your replies?
1: I know people. People talk about doing this. I've never done it. I I, again. I think. I think if you can infer it, it's still better than that. Like, but I I get. I get that. Like inferring expertise is kind of like a skill in itself. Um, And I I can't. There's not enough time to explain how to do that. So it's like it's here. It's it's like a proper skill. Um, But yeah, I always try to go down the inferu. Like it should be obvious by the. By just the air of your of just just the way that you write should just invoke confidence in the journalist rather than saying to me saying hey I'm an expert and I've been quoted here here and here it sounds almost insecure but it's it's safe it's safe I I, I don't think it's a bad idea but I just always I always try and infer it if possible but yeah to answer your question it's it's not going to hurt
0: yeah speaking about something that's kind of similar like in the whole PR scape, but it's like I've been listening to some podcasts talking about the playbooks in PR from Mark Benioff who's the co-founder of Salesforce and mm-hmm. he did a lot of things that grabbed a lot of the media's attention and I've heard that the thing that he liked to do as well was get contacts or direct relationships build relationships with actual journalists so do you actually set this up like once you let's say you're having a conversation and you're doing an outreach and you got a snippet, do you kind of like connect with that person and get like their cell or follow up on LinkedIn and have them kind of like in your database? And do they go back to you as going, Hey, um, like maybe if they've connected with you before, did they come back to you and say, you know, Hey, I'm looking for something else.
1: It doesn't happen very often. It's usually they don't get back to you at all, even if they include you in, they're not going to be like, Hey, I quoted you. They're just publish the article and move on with their lives um harrow harrow's own marketing like to say and i've spoken to it wasn't harrow but it was like a competitor to harrow and they tried to sell me on their version of harrow which was exactly the same as harrow as like oh it's a great place to build relationships with journalists it's it's not really it's like more of a it's the journalists see it as a service and you are providing a service to them you can sort of I guess it's not going to hurt to like to follow up and try and build relationships, but there are better ways, I think, of doing it. Um, like, I, I, I do a lot of like outbound, P- well, not a lot. I do some outbound PR as well, where I'm sort of making the move on the journalist. But I don't really see that and Harrow as two, I, I see them as two separate things. Um Part of it is because when a journalist contacts you, the contact they have with the journalist through Harrow, it's all done through their platform. Like you're not actually exchanging details. And while you can be a bit more proactive and like add them on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, uh, it just seems a bit stalky to me. Um, I'd rather rather try and approach them with uh, another piece of value rather than, uh, you know... uh, Going back to the, the the Harrow well, I think I think if you can if you can answer Harrow and then approach them with another piece of value later, the the, the relationship you're going to get at the end of it is going to be so much better. Uh, it feels like Harrow you've ex- you've already exchanged value. You've given them a quote, they've given you a link. Uh, if you then try and build a relationship on the back of that, it's it's not built on the firm's foundations. I think you should give more value before you try and add them to your little your little book of contacts.
0: And let's jump right into outreach. And uh, I think this is where a lot of people probably, you know, do things wrong. Like there's outreach to, you know, kind of like contact some of these media sources where you want to build links. Um, But how important are the skills in outreach? And how does that also relate to, you know, replying to Harrow or, you know, things like warming up your emails or maybe using a business email over Gmail and things like that?
1: Well, I, 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 i think I, d- I do things i've done things the other way around to most people that i was doing harrow for several years before i did any outreach like i didn't even really know what outreach was and i'd already been doing harrow for a few years um i mean the way that you write a harrow response and the way that you write an outreach email is basically the same it's getting to the point very quickly it's trying to give things in a way that they can copy and paste it into their article uh and that's if you're like pitching a quote or a bit of data or something um if you're actually pitching a topic then it's obviously a little bit different because it just is different um when it comes to things like email deliver i mean email deliverability doesn't really matter with harrow um but yeah it's very important with harrow that when i say like building confidence in the journalist like the way that the email structure is like use a business email, use like a nice use like a nice signature and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I, I think I think the same the same applies to uh, outreach. I remember a, a, when I started doing outreach which was which was like two or three years ago. The whole trend was to keep your email signature like as simple as possible because people were worried that an image in your email or a link in your email would hurt deliverability. And I think that this is because a lot of professional outreachers come from quite spammy backgrounds. <laughs> so they're, like, obsessed with deliverability. And while I understand that deliverability is important, um, I think that if you're doing PR rather than, you know, guest post outreach or whatever, um, looking the part... I'd rather look the part and hit 80 inboxes than not look the part and hit 90 inboxes. I think if you... If your email is all scruffy and you look like some shady dude, you can hit a thousand journalist inboxes and you're going to get nothing. True. Whereas, whereas if you look the part, uh, if you look if you look the part and you hit, I don't know, half as many inboxes, your conversion rate will still probably be better. Um, I also think that um, uh, I'm when it comes to outreach, I'm happy to do things like a bit more slowly um, to protect my email rather than like do things like slightly more amateurishly in order to protect my email. So uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to, when I, when I do outreach, I'm happy to put in the extra effort and maybe do things in twice the amount of time. I mean, like actually sending the email. So like rather than sending like a hundred emails a day or sending 50 emails a day, um, do things slowly, uh, more slowly, because it also often needs like it's not like a one and done email thing. You need to actually take them through a bit of a almost like a sales process for your pitch. Um, and if you know you send if you're sending hundreds of emails each day and you're getting dozens and dozens of responses each day, you can't really do that properly. So um, it sort of depends on how much time I have. Like I will intentionally like throttle email campaigns if. I'm get, if I'm getting in, in a lot of conversations, a because I need to have those conversations primarily that's the main reason. But a nice side effect effect of that is it just it protects your domain, um, so you can do things properly. Uh, uh, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I still use like lookalike domains and stuff like that when I'm trying to scale up. But um, I would never send. A, I would never send from a Gmail domain or or have like some or or, or send like something as a random person rather than rather than a, a like a real or even if i you know i'll say it'll be a real person even if it's me actually doing the thing like it will look like a real person um i mean i, I own a few sites and i know how many like um pictures i get from people who they're, they're intention you can see they're hiding who they are and it's like i'm never going to say yes to this ever even if the pitch is amazing like 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 why are you hiding who you are like it just it just it makes you feel suspicious.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes without saying, I think the world of content is kind of migrating over towards realness and having, you know, the ability to back up, like, you know, hey, there's a person behind it. This is how you can get a hold of that person.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I would agree like that with that. Like the, the whole EAT thing, I think, um, I think, firstly, it's bleeding into every single niche. It's not just health and finance anymore. It's like everything. Yeah. And B, I think people. I think people downplay the importance of um, links for EAT as well. Uh, I think um, you've, you know, you've. Th- there, there are certain links that you need to be an expert to get. Um, so the, the obvious ones are like uh, industry, like I don't know, like university alumni page for medical school or whatever, like industry specific industry links. But I also think like if you are a like a, a finance professional and you're quoted in like a, a proper highbrow financial publication, I'm not super into finance. So I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Then that would help with your EAT as much as, you know, a, a nice looking author page or whatever. Um, Because again, like it's a really honest way of showing your expertise at something like someone who isn't, doesn't know their shit about finance won't get that. And that's at the end of the day, what Google's looking for. Like a not- not easily replicable signs of expertise. And that is a great example of that.
0: Right. So also like looking at all the different industries, like what industries does Harrow not work well? And then the second part I want to ask is how would affiliates, you know, obviously when we're talking about affiliate marketing, we're talking about basically every industry. Uh, How would affiliates go about doing this? And I'm assuming you're going to recommend that, you know, if you're an affiliate site, you know, you would still want to look at finding ways of, you know, Using this Harrow technique.
1: Okay, so the first question was, what industries is it not good for? Um, Industries where I would say, I would say, like B two C industries, is not the best for Harrow. Um, Like non professional services. So if you're if you're selling, yeah, if you're selling the kind of thing that you would just go to like a standard shopping mall or high street shop and buy like journalists aren't really looking for like an umbrella expert or a i'll think of like a like a proper like a i don't know a dog toy expert yeah they're they're just they're just not really looking for stuff like that um uh so you can you can still answer those generalist emails though you can still be like my name is ollie i run this website uh, and I if they say if they're asking a question about hiring I run this website and I employ 10 people and I've hired five of them in the last three months you know you, you can talk about the current trends in hiring to an extent anyway um uh so the, the, about affiliates uh yeah journalists they're looking for they are looking for the highest level of credibility within a particular niche. Sometimes in certain niches, like an affiliate can be, but in most niches they won't be. It's like if let's say again, you run like some sort of personal finance affiliate site and you give a, like a 10 out of 10 quote, but then you've got someone who's a a CPA. Is that what they're called? Like a a certified financial expert, a certified financial professional, CVP and they give like a seven out of ten quotes. I most of the time the journalists will go for the second one, just because they. I think they could be in a lot of trouble if their sources are bullshit. So yeah. they, they, they want to protect themselves from that. Again, you can still answer these generalist ones, and I would still recommend. I would still recommend if I would still recommend to go for them because you never know who else is competing for these things. Most of the people who use Haros are marketers not actual professional people. Um, A lot of the time they'll be pretending to be professional people, but a lot of the time a journalist can tell that they're pretending, I think, because a lot of the time pretending isn't very good. So even if you're not the most credible person, if you can give a good answer, not in all cases, but in some cases that can sort of make up for the lack of actual expertise. Um, But yeah, at the same time, the the current niche that I'm working in for my uh, affiliate site I've, I've had 15 relevant harrows in the last 12 months, which is not enough. It's not enough to make it worth doing. True. Um, <clears throat> and while I've gotten like quite a lot of these generalist ones, uh, they're not necessarily the best links in the world, especially if you're, if you're on a website that isn't relevant to your niche and you're one of 100 links on that website. Even if it's a DR8090 website, I don't think it's that great. Um, if it's like semi-relevant, then, then it's then it's good enough, I think. But if it's not like completely irrelevant, then uh, then I don't really value it that highly. So I sort of smashed a few of them out just to get my just to just to get things started, but I haven't really continued with it. So yeah, like super B2C like consumer commodity niches aren't the best for Harrow. But anything that's sort of touching B2B or professional services, there's usually like a lot of stuff out there. Like there's a lot of um, a lot of like general business questions. There's a lot of like tech questions that you can answer. A lot of finance questions, and then with 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 sort of more B two C questions, it's either like feast or famine. Like there are some if you're in, if you're in like the home improvement niche. Oh my god, there are like every day there's like five to ten, and you can just absolutely kill it with arrow. There's so many. Like think about like home and garden magazine and family handyman and like there's so many like publications around it um but if you're in like a i don't know like even if you're in like a, a cooking niche it's not necessarily the best like there are a few like there are a few magazines that do like a bit of cooking but it's not like a big one um, but there are some niches that are like even worse than that and there's like literally nothing um, I, I mean you just you just like a lot of the publications are like glossy glossy type magazines and then like business type magazines so if you're not in a, in a topic that gets covered by that, then, you know, <laughs> you won't get as many.
0: Yeah, I can pretty much attest that, you know, transitioning from being an affiliate to being a B2B software company. Um, the ability for us as a company to get links is a lot different. I mean, it's, uh, it's easier. The angles in which we can, like I can personally write about, it feels almost infinite. So it's kind of like yeah. a breath of fresh air being the B2B space, and I see it as the easiest opportunity for anyone that's in B2B.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, completely. But, but but the thing is, what, what's kind of I guess annoying if you're not in that type of space is the the niches that are good for Harrow are also tend to be good for other types of link building. Um, just because there's a lot of content being published about it generally. So like the the, the space that Stats Drone is in, like it's good for Harrow, but it's also good for guest posting, it's yes. also good for like skyscraper type outreach it's when it comes to um, like the more B2C niches that aren't as good for like harrow and stuff like that, that's when you see more like creative PR type campaigns, um, which the reason why they have to go creative is because you don't get these types of opportunities. You need to sort of think outside the box a little bit.
0: Um, Going, you know, uh, just about to summarize most of this chat um, and, and also get a, a chance to ask, you know, how people can find you. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your Herald course. Uh, where can people find it and what's inside the course? How does it work?
1: Uh, cool, yeah. So it's at Internet Marketing Gold, which is a SEO training company uh, owned by two guys called, I think it's two guys, Kyle Reef and Andrew Stephen. Um, Sounds familiar, yes. Kyle Andrew Reef Kyle. in particular is quite like a well-known guy in SEO um i think the average affiliate guy will probably know who he is um and uh the bulk of the course is just me doing answering harrow requests that i've only just seen a second ago so i i literally got uh my housemate to like pick four at random and then just give them to me uh uh and then I film it and I like, speak out loud as I'm answering. And I think I think that that's the best way of teaching anyone anything because not only do you see the, the techniques that you use, but you also see like the amount of effort that I'm putting in. Like you can you could spend a whole day answering a harrow if you wanted to, but the amount of I think I think I spend like I think the shortest is about 10 minutes, and the longest is about half an hour. Um, and the amount of effort that I'm putting in will get you a 20% conversion rate, let's say. I, I think about 20% conversion rate, um, which I think after that, if you put in more efforts, kind of diminished returns. Um, so you're just watching me do harrow after harrow after harrow and sort of explaining what I'm doing. There's a little bit of theory, but it's mainly just that. Um, so yeah, internet marketing gold. Uh, I think you can buy the course individually, but, but, um, I think you get more value for money if you just like subscribe to the whole thing. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of content on there. They call it like the Netflix for SEOs.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say that the Netflix of SEO. Yeah. It's, a, it's a smart tagline and it's a pretty cool service what they've got. Cause I mean, I browse through their courses and it's like a, uh, I forget the cost but it's beyond reasonable. Like for what you get.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not expensive. And like, it's rare that I'm proud of the work I do. I'm quite like a self-critical person, but like, I was so flattered when I got asked to do it, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna make something, something sick here. So yeah, yeah it, it's it's really good. I, I, I've i seen quite a lot of like Harrow trainings online and like my one is the best one, I think. I'm awesome. maybe a bit biased, but yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so wrapping th- things up, I just kind of want to summarize like you know like the best tips that you've got for Harrow. So um, I guess it would be like the first point would be always be on time to reply back as soon as possible and not reply to a message that's late. Um, I think you're also stating that it's quite obvious that you want to put in more effort. I mean, if you kind of do like a half-assed job, you're going to probably reduce your conversion rate. And then, you know, when you've got those two types of questions, like the generals versus the specialist, to answer the single question from the generalist and for the specialist, answer every single question.
1: Yes, I think once you can identify which is a generalist question, which is a specialist question, like immediately then that's when you can start doing them well. Um, And just always remember the generalist question, they are doing one of these um, roundup posts. So write it as if it's a response in a roundup post. The specialist question, they they have thought, they have put time into crafting each question. So answer each question. Don't answer like your interpretation of the question or don't, Don't think, oh, like you're asking the wrong question. I'm going to answer this more interesting question. Answer their question and you'll you'll do well.
0: True. So how can people find you?
1: Cool. So uh, my website is olliebaysdigital.com. So if you just go on there and then my email address is on the homepage and you can just send me an email. I'm a bit of a Luddite when it comes to social media, but uh, if you can find my Facebook account and just send me a DM, I will respond to you. Um, I'm not actually taking on clients at the moment. But if you just want to ask me a question, like I like just chatting about this. So yeah. Otherwise, I
0: mean, the next best thing is uh, go over to internet marketing, gold, subscribe and get your Harrow course.
1: Yeah, if I'm honest, if you ask me a question about Harrow, I'm just going to say, get the course.
0: (laughs) Because
1: uh, (laughs) it's like, it's it's easier to show you than to tell you. Yeah. As with everything.
0: Awesome. I greatly appreciate it. I mean, uh, I'm getting more into into Harrow, like, you know, obviously working with you in the last year and getting started with it. And the more I start to research it, the more I'm like, you know what, I need to spend more time on Harrow. So I know I'm not the only one and I know the interest is growing over time and it's
1: exciting. Once you get your head around it, it's quite easy to teach people to do it. Like there are very much, even though it's like, it seems like a sort of a, a creative thing at first, it is very process-driven, um, you've you've just got to think about the answers in a certain way. So once you get your head around it, you can get someone else to do it quite easily. It's not, once you've got the technique down, it's easy to teach.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Could you do us a big favor and leave a rating or a comment wherever you listen to this podcast? We'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much.